Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Chance, and my guest today is Derek Sivers. Derek is the founder of CD Baby, a great little company that uh, almost single-handedly changed the way that music for independent uh, artists was distributed. He's also the author of Anything You Want, a book about building CD Baby, selling CD Baby, and just his thoughts on what it takes to build a business. It's an awesome book. I have to tell you that I had a little problem, technical problem, this week in that my track, my questions, uh, actually the, the recording was damaged. But I thought that Derek's answers and his story and the way that he comes across uh, was so important that we, through, through a little bit of editing, uh, were able to bring you about 15 to 20 minutes of, of just Derek uh, uh, talking about his business, and I really think you'll enjoy it. So here's Derek. When I made my first record, for example, you know, I was 25 years old, and I'd been wanting to make an album for my whole life, and it's like... Here it was, my first album, and I had so many uh, opinions about exactly what it should be. Uh, but when it came to releasing a book, honestly, it was a surprise. I never intended to write a book. Like even, you know, six months ago, people would say, hey, are you ever going to write a book? And I'd say, no, I'm never writing a book. Just let it go. But then Seth called and said, I'm starting this new publishing company, Domino Project, and I want you to be one of the first authors. And I said, Okay. <laughs> so the a lot of the book that you see there is really kind of uh it's almost Seth's uh vision of of what my book should be. So even like the album I mean I, see I accidentally called it the album cover. The book cover. It's like Seth kind of said, "I think we should call it anything you want." And I think we should have this as the uh, book cover. So it's been really fun to kind of do a collaboration like that and also just to kind of let go of something a little bit and not micromanage it has been a fun experience. If entrepreneurs are often reading books and articles about other entrepreneurs, the whether it's the media or just the natural filter of books, it kind of glorifies people's past. It's easy to look back in hindsight and say, oh yes, he set out uh, with an amazing vision or, or to call somebody a visionary. And it can kind of inflate this to a level where you feel really um, uh, unworthy if you don't have a massive vision and a big plan for the future. But I think the truth is, like, most people just kind of stumble along like Forrest Gump, you know, just kind of saying yes to things along the way. Uh, and then in hindsight, they do something that the media can glorify as a big vision. But at the moment-to-moment -moment level... It just feels like you're kind of stumbling along on a day-to-day -day thing. So I would hate to see entrepreneurs uh, or potential entrepreneurs not uh, pursue something they should be pursuing because they don't have a big grand vision for it. Instead, I think like the those moments are made just on a little day-to-day -day level. Like you just set out to do something that you think people need and uh, you do it. And as you do it, people start to give you feedback. And as you go, you make some decisions and if you do that for many years, it can create something big. But I'd hate to see people uh, get paralyzed and not do something because it doesn't feel big enough to them. The strength of many little customers, I felt that, at least in my case with CD Baby, I had uh, 200,000 musician clients and about 2 million customers. And the funny thing is that at any given point, if one of my clients... Uh, came to me and said, 
I think that this whole site should be something. I think your web design is too simple and it should have more graphics. And I think that you should have such and such. And I'm upset with so and so. Um, I think you should do more promotion and marketing and whatever it may be. I'd say, okay, well, um, it sounds like we shouldn't work together then. Like, it sounds like you should go somewhere else. And they'd say, what? <laughs> and I'd say, well, you know, look, I mean, this is CD Baby offers a simple service. This is what we do. Um, if you don't like it, I mean, no hard feelings. I wish you the best. There are lots of other companies out there. Um, take care. And the big idea is that it it didn't matter if any one or any 10 or even any 100 uh, customers didn't like what we were doing because the whole business was set up to satisfy um, thousands of people a little tiny bit. You know, so we were only my customers. I mean, sorry, my clients, the musicians who used CD Baby, only ever paid us thirty-five bucks. That was it. So worst case scenario, if they weren't happy, hey, it's just thirty-five bucks. And when I compare notes with a friend of mine who is a publicist, when she takes on a client, it's like a five thousand dollar client, and that person gets so invested into this, and she has to do whatever she can to make that person happy, and she can't turn anybody away because it's $5,000. Um, I find that that's a lot more uh, stressful business to be in than, say, for example, if, you could, if she could reimagine her business as something that would uh, provide a little bit of service to people for, say, $99. Then she could take on thousands of clients and provide a little bit of service and not have to worry too much if any one or 10 or 100 of them were upset. Uh, she could just try to focus on being the best she could be and it's a, it's a lot less stressful. So uh, I highly recommend <laughs> seeing if there's a way that no matter what business in you're, in you're in, if it's the kind of thing that deals with a few big clients, see if there's a way that you can kind of reduce the necessity of having a few big clients and aim to do a little something for a lot of people. I drove by a billboard in Chicago that I forget the brand name now because this is like 20 years ago or something, but it said – the world's most expensive vodka. <laughs> and um, I remember thinking that was a, a really cool niche to take, is that everybody else is trying to uh, be uh, pleasing everybody, trying to be affordable, whatnot, and they're just saying, no, 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 this is the most expensive stuff. It just excludes people just like that. Um, Music-wise, of course, because so many of my clients were musicians, um, often they would be doing music where they'd be trying to please everybody. And I'd say, no, you know what? You can just go all out and be a, a hardcore heavy metal band and just proudly wear that on your sleeve and just say, you know what? If, if you're not into heavy metal, you're not going to like us and we're not going to try to please you. So we're just going to do this one thing and go away if you don't like that. And I found that really liberating for a lot of people that are in that mindset of thinking that they need to uh, please everybody, especially if somebody's really ambitious and they want to be not just a millionaire, but a billionaire. They think they need to get every person on earth. But, you know, uh, so a few months after starting my little hobby, right? So CD Baby was just this little hobby. I was just a guy in my bedroom. I had no employees. It wasn't, I wasn't even thinking of it as a business. It was just something I was doing in an hour a day. And it had been going for about six months and it was going pretty well and was profitable. Uh, and Every time somebody would order a CD, uh, the audit, they would get an automated email saying um, – no, I'm sorry, not order a CD, but when your CD had shipped. you know. So if you order it on a Tuesday afternoon, I would ship it out on a Wednesday morning or whatever. So an email would go out telling you that it had shipped. And at first it was just a standard email like any of us would write that would just say, 
Thank you for your order. Your order has shipped today uh, to this address with these CDs. Um, thank you very much for your order. I hope you come back someday. And that was it, and it stayed like that for a few months. Then, after a while, I was looking at this going, you know, that's that's not me. Like, that's not... That's not very sincere. Like, I, I can do better than that. Like, I wouldn't speak to my friends in such a boring, dry manner. Why am I speaking to my customers like that? It's like, come on, this is an opportunity to make them smile instead of just be a little piece of nothing in their inbox. So I was like, all right, let me make this good. So I just kind of, on a whim, in about 20 minutes, I wrote this email that said, uh, totally over the top, that said, uh, your CD has been... Uh, taken with sterilized, contamination-free gloves from our warehouse and placed onto a golden pillow. Uh, our packing specialist from Japan, uh, a hush fell across the crowd as a packing specialist from Japan, placed your CDs into the finest gold-lined mailer money can buy, and we put it onto our private jet on its way to you at this address on this day, Thursday, September 3rd, uh, we hope you enjoy the city. You know, just went over the top in these ridiculous flowery descriptions. The whole point was just to make people laugh when they got it, right? Because we all know it's just a boring transactional email. You might as well make it fun. So that was it. I wrote it in 20 minutes and I replaced it in my system. Uh, I replaced my system with this email that would go out at the end of every single shipment. And uh, yeah, John, it was like the the single most powerful thing uh, I ever did, that one single email, every time people would get it, not just would they think it was hilarious and like forward it to their friends, but it would set the tone for what kind of company we are. You know, it's it's saying that, no, this is like, we're a little record store. This is like a fun-loving little place that doesn't take itself seriously. We're just trying to make you smile. We just hope you enjoy your music. Let's not get too serious about this. And yeah, that one email did more for CD Baby than I think anything else to get it off the ground. The bigger picture of like, why are you even in business? Like, what are you doing? Are you just trying to make a buck? Like, are you just trying to make some money? Is that all you're really doing? Then, you know, you could have a, a dog food shop in a shopping mall or something and, and, and just provide the dog food that people need and get them out of your store, you know, but, but I think most of us, you have a little, a, a deeper human need to do something that makes you go to bed with a smile each night and makes you feel worthy and make, you know, you'd like to see that you're making people happy, not just making a few dollars here and there. And so I think with anything you're doing, uh, no matter what kind of service or product you're doing, you can look at what you're doing again and saying, is this really like the best it could possibly be like to, to make, People smile. It's like my my procedures, my systems that the businesses run with. Is this really like a dream come true for people, or am I just kind of getting by? You know, it's like kind of fun to to look at what you're doing and kind of challenge yourself to step up your game and make it even better. Probably the single toughest lesson learned in starting my company is is how to delegate. Uh, of course, like any of us, like if you start out as a solo founder, somebody who's just doing something yourself, and then it turns into a company, it's so hard to let go of these things that you think of as you. You think of that this is me, this is what I do, this is a service that I provide. Once you have multiple people, it's it's really hard to let go. So um, the best book that got me into this mindset was The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. I, was, I actually kind of read it after the fact, uh, a bit, but the whole point was realizing that I was going to be trapped if I didn't 
teach everybody else how to do everything I was doing. Um, and for me personally, it's like much more than money. My biggest inspiration for what I was doing was was freedom. I wanted to be free to uh, whether it's travel the world or just sit in solitude and read a book for uh, a while or whatever it is. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't required for the day-to-day running of my company. So, of course, I hit the, the pain point after a few years where I just every day I would go into the office and all I would do is just answer my employees' questions all day long. And I was like, okay, this is horrible. I'm trapped. Like, I, I, This is miserable. I'm not getting anything done. So kind of hit my snapping point and I said, okay, from now on, every question that people ask me, instead of just answering the question, I'm going to stop and gather some people around and explain the answer to everybody, explain the thought process that went behind that answer and how I came to that answer, and then ask them to document it so that and let them know that they can make these decisions themselves in the future without me. Uh, and if you just kind of keep looping and going through that process, every time something falls into your lap is something you have to do, you stop and teach it to others to make sure that it's no longer your responsibility uh, and not just one person, but multiple people know how to do it. It's documented so that future employees that don't even work for you can also know how to do this, know the answer to this. Um, if you just repeat that process, it's it's slow and frustrating. But after a few months of doing that, um, you can become unnecessary in your business. And all of a sudden, if you keep doing that, nothing is now your responsibility, which is Amazing, for, especially for a small business, because now you can focus your considerable energy on uh, improving the company and growing it instead of just maintaining it and you know, responding to daily problems. I think the communicating the philosophy behind your answers and how you do everything. I mean, even honestly, think about this. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's like bordering on uh, artificial intelligence kind of things. But imagine you and your email inbox – and imagine that you're going to set a goal like by a few months from now, you will no longer answer any of your own email, that somebody will answer it for you. You have to go through and think like every time an email shows up in your box and you're scanning it with your little eyeballs, how do you, how do you decide how to respond? What is the thought process? What's your kind of internal if-then statements? <laughs> you know, If I have time on my calendar, then I will such and such. Or if they are asking this and it's worth it, then I will answer this. It's funny to kind of almost think of your own brain as a computer that is running a program that could be taught to others. So that, say right now you're getting uh, 50 emails a day in your inbox. What would happen if it was 5,000 emails a day in your inbox and it was just no longer possible for you to answer them all? How would you teach a team of 10 people how to answer them exactly the same way you would? Like, how would you teach them the, the thought process and philosophy behind it? You know, so, so think of any systems in your business. Even if you're a one-person consultancy, think of all of the little decisions you make and answers you come up with to people's questions. How could you teach that to others? It's a fascinating process. And if, if you keep following through on this, it's amazing that your business can really grow to unlimited sizes you could have. I mean, at CD Baby, there was a team of 25 customer service people that was pretty much answering questions just the way I would have answered them uh, because I just taught everybody the philosophy behind the answers, uh, taught them how to get the, you know, the, the factual answers just from using the, the internal systems. Um, 
But then when it came to philosophical things, how do you decide when to refund somebody's money? How do you decide when to sit on the phone for half an hour with somebody because they're crying, for example? Um, it, I think that a lot of these things have to come kind of top down from the the owner, the founder, creating a philosophy or guidelines that uh, what your vision is for your company and how you can communicate the thought process and the philosophy to everybody so that they can make those moment-to-moment decisions themselves. When I started CDBB, I knew nothing. I knew like some basic HTML markup, and I started this little static website. It's kind of like the equivalent of like a WordPress site today. But then as it grew, I realized that I had to learn computer programming. Uh, I couldn't afford to hire a programmer, so I just bought a book on programming and sat down and learned it myself. What's fascinating is that you find out that Programming is a little bit like, imagine teaching a robot to get you a beer. Like, what you just take for granted, like you just said, like the, you just say, I want a beer. You walk up to the fridge, you walk into the kitchen, grab the fridge, open the fridge, take a beer. But now imagine, like, having to teach a robot, like, how to walk, you know, like, lift, you know, Lift your right knee by pulling this, shortening this tendon here and bending your knee. Push it forward, lean your weight onto that, and now, you know, put your weight onto your right leg as you lift your left leg and, you know, etc. So imagine you'd have to teach the robot how to walk. Then you'd have to teach it how to position itself in front of the fridge. Then you'd have to teach it how to lift its hand and kind of put it in the handle on the fridge, close its fingers and pull it open, then how to find it. Okay, you, you get the idea. But but now it's the same thing with everything you program a website to do. Like so many things that you just take for granted, like, okay, now log into the site. Well, that's like, that's like 50 steps to log into the site based on what people do and whether it's a valid email address or not. And so you do get into this mindset of having to dissect things that we just take for granted and having to kind of analyze like how what does that really mean to go to the fridge and get a beer or to log into the website and and, and maybe it's that kind of mindset too that that uh helps you kind of dissect your whole thought process for how do you answer an email how do you decide what projects are worth taking on and what to say yes to it's it's fun <laughs> like a lot of us i really took by company personally. It was it was very intertwined with my persona. It was me. You know, it's it's you and duct tape marketing. It's Derek and C D Baby. It was like C D Baby was me. So I thought I would never sell it. Uh, I thought it was just something I would I would do until I die. But after ten years, um, I just hit this point for a few there were a culmination of a few things. For one, I had kind of mismanaged a whole bunch of stuff with my employees and the the internal culture of the company had changed so much that there was this huge animosity between me the me and the employees there was this horrible turn of events where uh, i we instigated a profit sharing program that i hadn't analyzed it deeply enough it turns out it was like completely unsustainable it was in fact giving all of the profits of the company back to the employees and uh, which made them really happy but when i had to pull the plug on it, of course, I created an army of enemies. <laughs> and uh, it was that combined with um, the fact that I had just been doing it for 10 years straight and uh, was feeling uh, kind of tired of it. It was kind of routine. Uh, and But the biggest one is that I had really done everything I ever set out to do with the company, and I was no longer feeling ambitious about it. Like, I really did not want it to grow. 
I had just redesigned the entire so I had reprogrammed the software start to finish uh so kind of made this version 2.0 of the software and it was amazing it, it was it was the best thing I've ever done it was the culmination of everything I'd ever learned to date with programming and launched it a few months before Christmas had this amazing Christmas season because you know we're a retail store so that was always like the big test is how well you could handle Christmas and so there it was in January Christmas was done and I just was realizing that I had no vision left for the company. I mean, I, and I don't even mean vision in a big sense. I just mean like I couldn't even imagine where I wanted the company to be a few months from now. I just felt like that was it. I had already done everything I ever set out to do. It was just feeling done the way that, uh, say, a painter who had been working on a big giant mural for two years would put a final brushstroke on it and just step back and look at it and go – yeah, uh, I think it's done. So that's how I was kind of feeling about my company. So it was actually our buddy Seth Godin, who has always been an, a, a, an occasional mentor to me. I told him the situation. I said, I, I need to ask your advice. Like, here's how I'm feeling. This is, this is, what do you recommend? Like, how do I get into the mindset of growth again? And And to me, selling was not even something on my mind at all. But when I mentioned this to him, he said, if you care, you need to sell. And what he meant was like, if you care about your customers and your clients, they want their business to continue growing. They don't want to stop. So this is just you actually now getting in the way of your clients and customers who want to grow. So if you care about them, you need to sell the company to somebody who's more ambitious with it. And uh, that was a total, you know, mind flip for me to to get into that mindset of like, oh my God, sell my company, let go of my baby. How could I do that? So, um, yeah, I kind of, I went, went internal and I kind of spent some private time in the diary to say like, how would I feel if I were to sell today? And, um, whereas a few years before, if I would ever ask myself that it would feel horrible. I'd say, no, 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 I can't sell. This is my baby. This is this. But all of a sudden for the first time in 10 years, I was like, yeah, I actually think I would like to let go now and just let others take it, turn it into whatever they want, and um, I could just go do something new. That would be very liberating. It was really – it's terrifying. I mean, uh, sorry, I don't know if you've done it, but um, selling a company is is it's a little bit like um, graduating from – college and getting divorced at the same time <laughs> it's like it, it's bittersweet it kind of feels good and bad it's it's uh it's really hard and scary to let go of something like that literally the day after selling cd baby um i had this idea for this new company i wanted to make called Muckwork, and it was so vivid and I wanted to do it that literally the day after uh, selling CD Baby, I incorporated my next company. I registered the domain names. I incorporated the company. I started doing the programming that very same day, uh, built the database schema. I even hired a manager um, to kind of help grow it with me. Got a few months into it, and then I said, what am I doing? Like, Part of the reason I was ready to leave CD Baby is because I wanted to make a change in my life, not just – carry on exactly the same. And here I am carrying on exactly as I have been for the last 10 years of just replacing the company name on my forehead, but it's still the same way. But it's like, if I really want to change the trajectory of my life, I need to you know, actually make a change. So I forced myself to stop. I, 
my whole life I've been an absolute workaholic, you know, uh, never took vacations or anything like that. But now for the first time in my life, I made myself stop. I dissolved the corporation and I spent the last two and a half years just on sabbatical, <laughs> traveled the world. I learned how to scuba dive in an Arctic lake in Iceland. I spent a month just going around India. I moved to New York City, met this awesome girl. We got married a year ago. We traveled the world to choose a new country to call home. Uh, we almost moved to India, almost moved to China, but instead we chose Singapore, which is halfway in between and a really awesome place to live and uh, just made all these kind of changes in my life. And um, at the same time as I was reading uh, about 80 or so books on marketing and psychology and happiness and whatnot, the whole idea being to kind of like replace the operating system in my head. You know, like we, most of us kind of operate under a certain kind of mindset or process for a number of years. And you could just continue operating like that until you die. But sometimes it's really healthy to replace that operating system in your head and just decide to approach life in a different way. So that's what I've done for the last few years. It's really just kind of been this sabbatical time, although it kind of feels a little bit like I went back to school, uh, with just a self-imposed school. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. That's <laughs> what I've actually been doing for the last few years. And then now uh, that we just moved to Singapore, uh, got official residence just a few weeks ago. And yes, I set up my new corporations, uh, my new projects that I'm going to be doing, but they haven't really started yet. And it's not even really worth talking about yet either uh, have never heard of before, or even better, if you're really up for a challenge, a kind of music that you think that you hate. Like, if you say that you hate opera, then I highly recommend um, going onto Amazon, browsing around, looking at customer reviews, and finding out what is supposed to be, like, the most essential opera recording, or one of the top opera recordings of all time. If there seems to be a big consensus, consensus that this is one of the great opera recordings, then get it and listen to it, not just once, but a few times, and really get try to understand what people love about this. And uh, so then, on the other hand, like take music from a different part of the world that you may never go to. Uh, listen to the Bar Bulgarian Women's Choir or if you just like to have something on in the background, here's a good start, for example, if you if you want me to name a specific. Um, if you look in iTunes, there's that section about, I think there's a little tab or a button called Internet Radio or Streaming Radio or something like that. If you click that and you look around Underworld, there's an amazing uh, streaming, a free online streaming radio station called Radio Darvish, D-A-R-V-I-S-H, that is just traditional Persian music from like 50 to 100 years ago, old ancient recordings of traditional Persian music. And it is so fascinating. Uh, I love leaving it on in the background. It just, it's almost, it makes it seem like, like somebody's cooking uh, Middle Eastern food in the next apartment and it's wafting through the windows. Uh, it's amazing. So my my advice to anybody, I think it can. If you want to change your brain and not just continue on exactly the same as you've been doing your whole life, um, find a kind of music that you either hate or have never heard of, and really get into it. <laughs> 